No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to New Right Network's Right Now podcast. I'm Steph Dillon. And joining us today is a woman that needs no introduction with this audience. She's a conservative warrior, a journalist, and the author of the awful new book, Open Borders, Inc. It's <laughs> Welcome, Michelle Malkin. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're coming off traveling all around doing ICE rallies. Yes, I am. Thank you for having me, Steph. Sure. Now, I um, this was a bad book. Of all the organizations that are involved in this open border situation, I the the more I went through the pages, the less hopeful I became. Everyone's involved, but I think the most the thing that hurt me the most was my church. <laughs> I'm a Catholic, yeah. and I, I don't have a church anymore, even with this pope. But reading your book, these these people are human traffickers. Yes, they are. Steph, I've talked to so many rank and file Catholics over the course of the book tour, and then really over the last several years, many people within our church, I am a Catholic too, have gained an increasing awareness of just how deep pocketed the financial interests are within the Vatican and with this horrible Pope Francis, who self-anointed himself the, the leader of the anti-Trump resistance, really, <laughs> pretty much every day waking up for uh, something in the headlines as a pretext to be able to attack our president and by extension, of course, attack American sovereignty. And that is the intended goal, I think, of a lot of these left-wing social justice warriors in pretty much every major diocese in America. So I do trace a lot of the money. And again, this is not going to be new. The general idea, for example, that the US Conference of Catholic Bishops is very heavily involved in the movement, uh, the political movement, partisan political movement uh, to grant amnesty to millions of illegal aliens. It's not new to uh, woke Catholics that uh, the goal here is to fill the pews but I think the amount of money that's filling the collection plates and being funneled to um, everything from an illegal alien shelter network that stretches from Central America to Mexico into the country um, to the billions that are reaped by um, many, many sub organizations under the Catholic bishops for the refugee resettlement program. So I really tried to break down those numbers for people to make them more aware of how they need to hold their own church leaders accountable for uh, squandering um, all of their hard earned tax dollars and bucks that they put in those collection plates. That's not going to their neighbors and friends no. and fellow citizens. And it's not protecting or helping or serving American Catholics. It, it's uh, furthering the goal of, I mean, let's be honest, one world government people, right? George Soros, right? He wants a one world government. And what is necessary to do that? That is the dissolution of the United States Constitution. Can you, has any Catholic, does that serve any American Catholic? It certainly doesn't. And I think what's encouraging 
uh, and you can see this in the chapter in the book on uh, what I call the unholy alliance between the Vatican yes. Catholic Church and these amnesty profiteers, there are a few notable leaders, renegades within the church who have criticized the open borders faction that has such a monopoly at the top level. And I quote one of them who was a, a black Catholic bishop on the East Coast uh, who lambasted this whole open-ended welcome the stranger perversion. <laughs> Right. right. And he said, well, heaven has a rather strict immigration policy. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and yeah. the selective reading of, of scripture by so many of these open borders bishops has been appalling to immigration enforcement Catholics. Um, you know, many parts of scripture talk about the need to respect civil law and civil order. And without strong walls, you can't have strong countries. And if America is not a strong and so sovereign country, we certainly can't guarantee religious liberties to Catholics or any other denomination. For <laughs> or anybody, exactly. And the thing that bothers me um, most about it is I do I think it's um, it's it's about the money, right? The church is really mad because they under Trump they have lost some refugee resettlement money. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it's all about money. And they're using our um, desire to be good Catholics and twisting it for their own profit. And you know, I'm still a Catholic, but I'm not a member of, of that church. I can't be part of that. Yeah, that's so well said, Steph. I feel the same way. And I think for a lot of rank and file, conservative, limited government Catholics, there's so much that the Catholic the Catholic elite has done wrong, and this is just one aspect of it. The fact that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden haven't been excommunicated from the church <laughs> and are welcomed <laughs> as commencement speakers at Notre Dame or Georgetown is I a thought, I thought the Pope rewrote the Bible to, to, make, to make abortion uh, the right thing. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, and then I, I note, I note um, that when the cover-ups of the pedophile scandals were first erupting, obviously got a lot of, of mainstream press coverage because it serves their own narratives and, and purposes. What you had was rank-and-file Catholics who were disgusted by that conspiracy burning their collection envelopes. And I think that we need to have a replay of that because <laughs> read uh, the, the, the two, there's actually two chapters where I talk about the open borders Catholic elite um, chapter three on the Catholic Church itself and chapter four on the wretched refuge and, and the refugee resettlement between those two things if you haven't completely burned every last donation envelope yeah. I don't know what you're waiting for yeah absolutely yeah, I've been since I read since I read that whole chapter. I've been hitting the Catholic charities on Twitter. Like, Fantastic! <laughs> I love it. Yes, I mean, we have to hold these people accountable, and it will take um, people like you, Steph, and your viewers and followers to raise their voices. We really have to have a, a sort of inside the movement, inside the church, grassroots revolt here. Yeah. That's how there finally was accountability um, with regard to the pedophile scandals. And remember, the, the only way that you make these people um, change anything is if you hit them in the pocketbooks. Well, that's what, because that's what it's all about. Yes. Right. right. From, from top to bottom, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> the other thing that really bothered me in your book is I thought Save the Children and Doctors Without Borders were these charitable organizations just traveling around helping unfortunate children. Yes. They're, they're human traffickers, too. They, they really are. And I, and I know it seems extreme and hyperbolic to describe them as such. I wish it was. I know, I know. But you base, I base my descriptions on the actual results and consequences and not on the supposedly good intentions. And I, and I tell this story about Save the Children and it's a personal story. And actually a lot of people haven't asked me about that. So, so I'm so glad, Steph, that you did. <laughs> um, my son is a little performing artist. And when he was in, in elementary school, he was designated a Save the Children ambassador. He got to go to New York City, big conference, um, sang pop songs on stage. Oh, and great. He, Right. And, and I, I never thought, oh, I think I should uh, really research this organization. It's called <laughs> Save the Children. Who could be against that? Um, oh my but it, it turns out that when you look at the trafficking, and that's what it is that they do um, in Europe, uh, all along the, 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 the Pacific Ocean, um, from the coast of Africa onto the southern shore of Italy, they actually operate boats um, that bring illegal alien migrants across, um, risking their lives and erasing uh, any kind of borders or sovereignty of, of the countries that they're dumped in. And Salvini in Italy has actually done something remarkable. And I don't know why we're not doing it here, which is uh, trying to uh, hold criminal prosecutions and, and hold these people accountable in courts of law for uh, breaking their rules regarding aiding and abetting and harboring and sheltering illegal aliens. Who's profiting from, from this? It's not just save the children because they get all these donations because they're mm -hmm. helping uh, you know, free the oppressed, uh, but it's the coyotes right, that are making out of uh, uh, like bandits because they've got to be paid off for final passage. Uh, for the, uh, fi the, la last the last leg of the part. trip. Exactly. Is, is and it, and it's a terrible last leg. I mean, the, the the cartels on our border, right, and the coyotes on in in Europe. These are not good people. Yes, right? they're hurting these people. They're abusing these people. They're extorting these people. They're extorting their families. Yes, and that's not saving any children. It it certainly isn't. And so I think let there be a lesson here for you know people of good faith who. Yes think that they're, you know, doing something for the world by contributing uh, money to these organizations and propping them up to do something that's detrimental to pretty much everybody that's involved in that enterprise. And enriches the worst, the, the, yes. the very worst people that you could be enriching. Um, and I just don't understand why they're doing it. I mean, you don't start an organization like Save the... I guess, you know, they change leadership in, over time, right? Because I'm going to say, you can't start a, an organization like that and and be so callous to the human suffering that you intend to cause. But yeah. I guess it's like everything else, right? The progressives get their way into these organizations that already have a level of established trust and, and then they change the mission or, you know, corrupt it. 
Yes, yes. That I would say is definitely true of Save the Children. There were probably founders of Doctors Without Borders, though, who you have always conceived the planet as a borderless world. You yeah, know? I get. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And um, but I think that the people who donate to them sort of have this kind of utopian Emma Lazarus hazed view uh that um you know that we can operate in a sovereign country uh while we're donating money to organizations that are doing everything in the power in their power to destroy us and that's definitely true of doctors without borders whether they are operating their migrant ships um in europe or whether they're operating illegal alien shelter networks um along the southern border I mean, I, I get it. They they see human suffering. I mean, I, I understand that. A lot of the people who I name in Open Borders, Inc. Uh, really do feel that they're doing good for the world. And I don't want to diminish that. But I think as conservatives, again, we have to look yeah. at results. And we have to think about the consequences of all of, of uh, these policy decisions and policy failures and these pull factors and magnets that NGOs are creating uh, in terms of what it does for us. And, you know, you might think of that as, as very selfish and, you know, the, the far left and the media and Hollywood always cast us as selfish and cruel. But what could be more selfless than wanting to protect what we have for our children and our grandchildren and posterity? What's, and, what, what's and, the point but, of a sovereign country if, if that's not what it's about? And, and further, we, we are a force for good in the world. And if you destroy our sovereignty, there's not going to be any difference between us and the rest of the world. Yes, that is. Then we can't help them, right? Yes, we can't right. take. Why is it that they don't get this about American exceptionalism? I mean, on the one yeah. hand, they understand that everybody wants to come here, that they're willing to crawl over broken glass, and yet they're not yes. willing to do what we need to do to protect it for everyone else. It's sort of the way that liberals have kind of have have migrated to like the good parts of the country. California <laughs> is ruining everybody else. And I live in Colorado now and it's like, no, we don't want you to bring your high tax values and, you know, your diversity uber all this. Like you want to come here because you want to enjoy everything we have, but then you also want to, you know, bring California here and destroy it all. Where where do we have left to go? Where's our sanctuary space? Yeah, we absolutely need. We, I've lived in California for uh, like 20, 21 years now. We're leaving in December. Uh, right? And I, I'm taking all but one of my children with me. He's staying because he's he's too rooted, you know, yeah, and yeah. he can't go. But um, but my other two, I'm getting them out of here so that they can start a life somewhere else and not try right. to do it here. It's it's they've destroyed such a beautiful, wonderful place. Yeah, it is destroyed. I used to work in San Francisco loved it i yeah. loved it and yeah. you can't take the bar anymore you can't even I, take it. I it's know. like the, it's like it's it's a drug house yes it, yeah terrible yeah i mean literal cesspool my husband was born and raised in berkeley california uh his it was another pretty place right right and um you know when I was an undergrad in college, because I met my husband in college, uh, we spent a summer and it was an idyllic summer, even though it was far left, you know, the best food, the best parks, <laughs> and the quality of life was um, still such that you could endure it. 
the political atmosphere because it was good living. And that is just yeah. not anymore. And it is, it's a, a confluence of things. And, and one of those factors is Open Borders Inc. You know, when you've got these city elites, when you've got campus elites at all of these major um, academic institutions that put the, the needs and wants of illegal alien students above American students, well, you end up with sheer anarchy. And that's what we see in pretty yeah. much every major city in America. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard for for California to even get their kids into some of these UC schools. I mean, uh, my best friend here, her daughter did everything. Like she kept her did everything to make sure she got into. She's going to school in Oregon. Wow! But you wow. can be damn sure there's a bunch of illegal aliens That's in every UC right. school, and That's who's not illegal alien? They're Chinese paying big bucks. That that's that's exactly right. And she's, that really, she's a Trump voter now because she's yes. <laughs> that, you know, when it finally affects you, you know, in your own home with your family, then she was an Obama voter. Yeah, she's one of those, right? That yeah. are just like this is too much. Yeah, you know, I mentioned in the book that Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon, uh, contributed uh, several million dollars along with his now ex-wife to a fund that helps illegal alien dreamers and fully um, subsidizes their college educations. He has no similar fund for American citizens or law-abiding legal immigrants. Priorities. Yeah. yeah, that's it's just such a slap in the face for all those people waiting, right, that have been waiting for 10 years to be able to come. You see videos online of people wanting to immigrate and they get their their green card or whatever and they're jumping and they're so happy. And yeah. I just I'm just like, yes, I want you to come. That's who yeah. I want to come. But these people throwing rocks at our Border Patrol agents to storm the board. I don't want you. Yeah, this, I don't want I, I don't want you as my neighbor. I don't we don't need that. Yes. The ingratitude and the hostility Ugh. that marks the entitlement, so, the entitlement that marks so many people who are either coming across illegally. But unfortunately, a lot of people who are coming in through the refugee resettlement program and people wonder, well, how did the Twin Cities become what it is? Well, why don't you go ask the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and the Lutheran Immigrant and Refugee Services, which collected billions of dollars, dumping hundreds of thousands of people from Somalia. You know, untold numbers of them, of course, may be doing great things here and love this country. But there's a reason why uh, intelligence officials have designated the Twin Cities the terror recruiting capital of the world. And, you know, these religious organizations who bring all these people here are never held accountable when things go wrong. No. Well, nor, nor the government isn't either, right? Everyone's yeah. just, they, there's no, the screening is, it, it's, it's horribly inadequate, quite obviously. I mean, we've yes. seen... Yeah, I don't know. We bomb the entire Middle East and then we bring them all here. We bring yeah. the children of the people we killed all to come here and live in the United States. And, you know, it's yeah. terrible, that terrible that? what's been yeah. done. Right. How's that working out for us? Well, it, it delivered Ilan Omar to us as a member of Congress. She was brought here by the Lutheran, Lutheran Immigrant and Refugee Services, somebody who has so much hate in her heart for America. And then, of course, no coincidence, uh, the Refugee Resettlement Program is, you know, the biggest project of the United Nations. And just a couple of weeks ago, Ilan Omar was calling on the U.N. to take over our southern border. <laughs> Reap. So, <laughs> oh my God, exactly. exactly. <laughs> 
So you you mentioned something about how um, a Salvini is getting, um, you know, using the law yes. to stop some of these uh, sanctioned human trafficking organizations. But our laws here in this country aren't doing that either. And, mm -hmm. you know, just the other day where we're in, um, in Fairfax, a police officer, he suspended yeah. an illegal alien that was previously in trouble. Yes, yes, that's right. It's, it's he's suspended. He is suspended when he should be rewarded and promoted. Uh, and the people who are punishing him are the ones who should be criminally prosecuted. What, what's the point of having uh, Chapter 8 of the U.S. Code, which lays out all of the reasons why we should con consider it a felony if you are aiding and abetting uh, illegal aliens. We've got every sanctuary jurisdiction in this country, cities, counties, states, they number 564 now. There's a map in Open Borders Inc. that shows you where they have all proliferated. Just this past week, you had the Chicago mayor, I know you saw this, uh, who has now made it essentially a crime uh, for employees there to cooperate or communicate with federal immigration agents. And then you had the entire state of New Jersey, whose attorney general, who was trained by a top George Soros acolyte at the Open Society Foundations, also declared the entire garden state where I grew up a sanctuary space for criminal aliens. This is insane. And if we're not going to have a single district attorney or federal prosecutor go after these people, yeah, we might as well just give up. 564 uh, yeah. is going to be like thousands and thousands. Our entire country is just going to be a sanctuary nation for lawbreakers. Yeah, not for Americans. Yeah. For law right? yeah they're they're right. not Second Amendment sanctuaries. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, uh, so they bring in all these criminals and then they want to take away our guns, right? It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's, madness but so um you know when people vote you go down the ballot like you know who you want your congressman to be or senator or president and then there's all these judges and and sometimes there's these district attorneys and the progressives are getting a lot of help as far as getting the right people into these positions they are george soros has 18 billion dollars out of his 25.2 billion dollar net worth that he was has dedicated now in the twilight of his life uh, to uh, achieving his goal and people ask me this all the time and i put it right up front in the book and my chapter on george soros as the ceo of open borders inc his goal yes. is to destroy sovereignty which he calls an obstacle to global yes. governance. It's all about subverting local control. And that is why you have to pay attention down ballot, exactly like you say, Steph. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people don't even bother to check it off or they don't do their homework on these district attorneys, these radical It's justice. hard to do it though. You don't have anyone yeah. out there, you know, providing that, you know, if I had the head, was ahead of the GOP, I would, you would have to do that. You have to pay attention to this, but they're always just, you know, playing catch up, you know, I mean, I, I forget recently there was this this man elected in, um, I forget, I think it was Georgia, this mm -hmm. Muslim guy in Georgia, we didn't run anyone against him. Right. I mean, the GOP does not fight. Well, as you know. Yes. I, I do know. And of course, of, of what that raises is the question of which side many of these uh, GOP establishment types are on. Uh, you know, um, of 
there there have been people who've been worrying about this for a long time, and there are resources to try and you know do your homework on some of these down ballot races and judicial races. Ballotpedia yeah. is a great resource. Yeah. Um, but you're but you're right. I mean, most people either don't have the time or not interested or don't realize how much of an how effect, important it is. How important you it don't is. No. Yeah. yeah. A single judge now, you see this phenomenon, it just happened last week, a single federal judge issuing a nationwide injunction. He doesn't have the power to do that, but he doesn't care. Nobody's going to stop him um, to yeah. throw a monkey wrench into President Trump's uh, asylum reforms to stop the, the whole catch and release game. Uh, and who was it that brought the lawsuit? Well, this is why Open Borders Inc. is very handy. All of the groups yeah. that were litigants were Soros-funded organizations. One was called Make the Road New York. Another one was called We Count. And of course, the legal counsel were the Soros-paid minions from the American Civil Liberties Union. Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> just listening to you talk I get that same feeling I had when I was I know. it's like I know. they're everywhere they're just yeah. they're everywhere they're and you know everywhere. That, that swampy picture of the Capitol building where there's all the, <laughs> that's what it's like it's yeah. just hundreds of them and hundreds spinning off that and they're in the law schools and they're in the and the they're judges and they're prosecutors and I mean they're in the bureaucracy in Washington DC and uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's anarchy. Yeah, it is. Brought people in who have no intent on 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 following the law, and and this is the thing. Like I used to think, and now I know why it's necessary. That people that operated in these positions were coming from a place of integrity. Right. Right. A, a prosecutor not coming from a, and and if they weren't, who would tolerate that? Well, as right. it turns out, everybody. 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 Yeah, that's right. And right here you have uh, this intersection between the Soros types that are um, achieving open borders and the anti-Trump resistance, which hijacked the entire news cycle last week um, to, you know, open up an, a new round of impeachment palooza. And, you know, it was just so tragic to me because at the same time, impeachment had saturated the airwaves, President Trump gave this amazing speech at the United Nations. And I, I've said, I don't know why this speech isn't being played in its entirety over and over and over again. You know, why didn't uh, even, you know, our friends, my friends at, at Fox News uh, try and push back against the hijacking of the narrative and, and, and make that a focal point. This is my big peeve of so much yeah. of the, the, the Republican strategists. They get paid so much money to strategize, oh, right? Yeah. And their failures over and over again. Here we have, you know, these ICE agents who literally have targets on their back. Nobody's standing up for them. They've been demonized. Their facilities have been called concentration camps while sanctuary, uh, cities and, and counties are being overrun by illegal alien gangs and serial yeah. rapists and drunk drivers. Why aren't there those stories yeah. of people who are suffering and sacrificing being told every single day to push back? Right. There's not going to be any PBS special on the negative impacts of what goes on. And there's not going to be any PBS special about these ICE agents and the danger that their children are in and, and the bombing attempt on those facilities and how none of that. Right. Yes. So why doesn't Fox? Well, Paul Ryan's on the board. What would you that, say? That, 
That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the, these Republican open borders types have been the bane of, of you know, the conservative movement and our country, for that matter, uh, for yeah. as long as I've been writing about these issues, and particularly during the Bush years when Karl Rove had aligned himself with so many of our worst enemies at the National mm -hmm. Council of La Raza, the Council for American Islamic Relations, uh, trying oh, to get... God, they're awful. Right, trying to get another blanket amnesty through that would just hand future elections to the, a Democrat permanent ruling majority. They, and now this this is how you know it doesn't matter who's in the majority. And I think the Republicans prefer not to be. They get their perks whether they're in the minority or the majority. The bad part about being in the majority is you're held accountable to do something. Right. Yes. So the good the, that's why they like the minority so they can complain and and fundraise and point fingers. You know. And, Exactly. And right. it's a good life for them. But oh, meanwhile, is. we've got these people who are living in our neighborhoods, right? Our children's schools are the ones that are overcrowded with people that don't even speak the language. So nobody's getting an education. Our hospitals are the ones that are closing, right? From having to give all of this free care. Yes. No, they want to point yes. fingers. Yes, Steph, you're absolutely right. It's um, these people, whether they're colluding in the Democrat Party or the Republican Party to keep as unsafe as possible, never have to suffer the consequences of their policy decisions because they're protected. Same thing with Hollywood and the people in the media yeah. and the public. We don't have any. Yeah, we don't have any allies, whether they be in, you know, these giant media corporations and giant multinational media corporations, because yeah. that's what they are. Yeah. Right. That's right. And um, we we don't have any allies. We're just the people, right? We have we have you, but you're one of us. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not Fox News, and we don't see you on there enough, by the way. Well, but I got <laughs> I got um, your speeches at CPAC are just fire, and I think so many of us that um, that look forward to CPAC, uh, it's it's um. They don't do enough of that. They don't talk about the issues that really matter to us. They want to talk tax cuts. They want to talk things that matter to um, the Republican donors. And then you get up there and um, I, uh, everybody just loves it. Everyone's on their feet. <laughs> She's saying what needs to be said. And um, and I'll, I wonder if you'll be invited again next year. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know, Steph. I doubt it. <laughs> but that's okay. I, I think that one of the problems in the Beltway is that too many people do or say things uh, with the intention of getting invited back. And if I did that, I wouldn't. I would. I would be squandering, you know, the, the privilege I have, right? And the, and the platforms that I have. The thing is that I've I've had a long history with CPAC, and I, you know, my heart has always been with the grassroots. And the problem with CPAC increasingly over the years. I think I did my first one in 2002 or 2003 when I came out with Invasion, is that there's been this ever-increasing separation and fissure between the grassroots and the elites. It used to be the premier gathering place where you'd bring young people in to get excited about the movement. They were going to be the next generation. Um, but when the elites took over and essentially the conference became a pay for play scheme, yes. everything else in the beltway, you ended up with what happened um, in February, right before I got on to speak, you calculated the, the uh, number cumulative minutes that had been spent on the most important issue facing America, immigration and sovereignty. And it was a grand total of 13 
minutes uh, and just a handful of obligatory panels. And you have it exactly right, Steph. I mean, sort of the the traditional um, Republican Beltway swamp issues, which sure they're important, but in the larger scheme of things, when we're fighting for our very survival, yes. the idea that you would spend five times as much time on the XM bank right, or <laughs> enterprise zones when we have no go zones in America. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about zones. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is what happened, I think, with a lot of the candidates that the Tea Party sent to Washington. You send them to Washington. And they're, they're one of us. They hear us. They know us. They're part of this. You send them there. And they increasingly... Um, be, they become a little richer. They become a little bit more, in, in, you know, in the system in D.C. And they turn into Paul Ryan. Yeah. And this is, um, is one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, Matt Schlapp, mm -hmm. whose wife is an advisor to the president of the United States. Yes. Um, has a lobbying firm. Yes. And his lobbying firm takes millions of dollars from open borders groups yes how do we square that yeah it's impossible to square and you do have to follow the money to find the truth and matt and mercedes have a lobbying firm called cove strategies and for every single year since president trump took office and mercedes schlapp was uh, enveloped into the the white house creme de la creme that yeah. lobbying firm has increased its um, income every single year it's multi-million dollars and one of their top clients uh, is a seasonal foreign workers association that lobbies for ever expanding um, limits on the number of H2B workers that are coming in. So these are low wage workers um, who, yes, they are taking jobs from yes. Americans who would do them. I know because I've traveled all across the country uh, and meet hardworking Americans that do these kinds of jobs. They have no idea that, you know, squirreled away inside the Trump White House is somebody who has used her position, um, married to. Uh, you know, the head of the so-called American Conservative Union who uses uh, the backstage uh, and green rooms of CPAC uh, to cozy up to uh, conservative mm -hmm. public figures and, and media figures to get them to get on board the H2B uh, expansion program. And I and that, that's what they did to you at CPAC, yeah. right? After you got yeah. out of the seat. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm so delighted that you asked me about it because I thought for sure when I came out with a book um, three weeks ago, Ago, that this would be, you know, this 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 should be headline news in the conservative movement. I get done the scorching speech talking about not just the Soros left, but the big business right. Part of that speech, I don't know if you'll remember, but you know, your viewers can just go look it up um, on yeah. on YouTube. CPAC 2019. Uh, yeah. That CPAC 2019. Michelle Malkin was. I went after the organizers of CPAC for welcoming Van Jones to the stage when so many immigration enforcement patriots and young people who call themselves nationalists are banned from CPAC. From CPAC. This guy, Van Jones and Color of Change, open which is borders. <laughs> open borders, subsidized by Soros, is welcomed yeah. with open arms, literally hugged by Matt Schlapp. Uh, and then I finished my speech and 
I'm backstage and there are a couple of people that sort of gingerly said, good job. Many more people that sort of backed away from me like I was yeah, like a right. Punk. Right. A white supremacist. Right. That's right. That's me. And uh, some clueless lobbyist who had paid his way to get backstage, whispering in my ear, "I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not for illegal immigration. But hey, you know." uh, And then he slips. He slickly slips me his card and says, "But we really should talk about um, the the need to expand H2B." I'm like, "Did you not hear anything I said?" Obviously not. <laughs> it's just stunning. It. It's such a club. Yes. Right? It is such a club. And I've worked on a couple of campaigns. Tim Donnelly. Tim oh, Donnelly's campaign yes. was great, 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 great. I great love it. He was perfect. Yeah. And by yes. the way, Paul Cook is out. So, you know. Let's yeah. get him in. Let's yeah, get we got to get him in. in. Yeah. But, um, and another one in uh, uh, a guy that was running against um, uh, Ted Lou. But. Oh. The whole culture, right, of that, you know, is like, is everybody, everybody's washing everybody's hands, right? I'm going to do this for you, you, right? That's the whole culture, even uh, of, of kind of smaller campaign people, right? Can you, I can only begin to imagine that culture that goes on in D.C. and at the higher, you know, levels of the Republican Party. Yeah. Which it, is exactly it, what you said. Oh, we got to talk. And you would have been paid handsomely to have that talk. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yes exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's, um, it's disillusioning, especially for people who are just um, being introduced to, to the conservative movement or nationalist movement. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, populist. I've always been with the populist wing of the, the right. And Phyllis Schlafly was a huge influence on me. And everything that she wrote wrote in A Choice Not an Echo is everything that you need to know about how the Beltway works and about how all of these um, state Republican parties essentially work as well. If you are not in the club, um, like you say, Steph, it's extremely difficult, but it's not impossible. And I think the the best proof of concept of that was Donald Trump. He was yes. not a member yes. of the, the Paul Ryan, Carl Rove Bush family club. No. And they're going to try and take him out again. But look, yeah. I know you're just getting off a plane and you're traveling everywhere. And um, I'm going to I'm going to tweet on my Twitter your um, the your stand with ice rallies that you're doing and your book signing. So um, so we'll get that done. But I just want to ask you one more thing before I let you go get some sleep. Yeah. And that is. Um, impeachment what's uh, what's your take on it this is just another dead end train and the democrats rode the russia collusion hoax train until they slammed into a wall you know they've they've switched lines now um it's yeah. not going to go anywhere anywhere but that really isn't the point uh, you no. know is disruption the point is distraction and i do give the far left credit they're disciplined. They're on message. You know, they don't throw their people under the bus like we do all the time. <laughs> all of the time. That I mean, that's why we're such a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it looks like chaos in the Democrat Party. But, you know, in fact, uh, they're, they're very focused on their goals. Yeah. And maybe those feckless Republicans in Washington could learn uh, uh, something from them and take a page from it. We'd be if so- If they much- wanted to win. If they don't. Like- that that's right. That's exactly. They don't. Right. They'd be just as happy for Trump to go. I think. Oh yeah, you you yeah. see that for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so where can, everyone can find you, Michelle Malkin at Twitter. Everybody knows that. And Facebook, is it Michelle Malkin also on Facebook? It's the right R-I-G-H-T, Michelle Malkin on Facebook. Okay. And mm -hmm. this is the book. Yes. That's going to ruin your life, but it'll give you a, a, it's going to give you a nice pathway to who we are actually fighting in this battle against open borders. And um, it helps you take everything that you see and hear around you and refer to the appendix in the back to see if that person or that group is listed among our open borders uh, incorporated members. So get some rest. Thank you so, so much. What a pleasure to talk to you. We'll talk it, was, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Steph. Take care. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.